0: Good afternoon everyone. Welcome to the Sunday, August 2nd episode of Poets and Muses, where we chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host Imogen A-Rate. You can find us at poetsandmuses.com or via social media on Instagram or Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter either at poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of the Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. Now, in addition to poetsandmuses.com and our SoundCloud page, you can also listen to the Poets and Muses podcast via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or TuneIn. With us today is K.L. Crystal Lyons, with whom I will be discussing her poem, The Land and I Are Calling You Home and I don't care whose voice is louder, and my poem, To the Missing But Not Forgotten. Before we do that, however, I am going to go over some virtual poetry events taking place during the week of August 3rd. On Monday, August 3rd, from 4 p.m. Eastern Time, Nui TV will be hosting the 13th of its 20-episode Norwegian and Wind Carriers Challenge, in which anyone can participate but only Indigenous youth between 8 and 25 are eligible for the prices, which includes a grand prize of a MacBook Pro. You can find out more information and sign up at facebook.com forward slash events forward slash 309 458 680 Again, that's facebook.com forward slash events forward slash From 5 to 6 Eastern Time, Books Are Magic will be hosting Romulan Auntie's readings from Anti Emetic for Homesickness with special guests Kimberly Kyogui Andrews. Marianne Chan, Joseph Ligaspi, Cable Mishka Ligat, with RA Villanueva moderating. You can find out more information about that at facebook.com forward slash events forward slash Again, that's facebook.com forward slash events forward slash 304 At 8 p.m. Central Time, Frizzy Productions will be hosting his Poets Playground open mic via Instagram Live at poets underscore playground underscore. Again, that's at poets underscore playground underscore. On Tuesday, August 4th, from 8.30 p.m. to midnight Paris time, Spoken Word Paris will be hosting its Spoken Word online this week featuring Jane's Spoken Word. You can find out more information at facebook.com forward slash events forward slash Again, that's at facebook.com 4/events 4/4403525079672692 From 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time Urban Word NYC will be hosting its first draft open mic for those between the ages of 13 and 23. It's a virtual writing workshop and open mic series facilitated by Roya Marsh. You can find out more information and register at urbanwordnyc.org forward slash first draft. Again, that's urbanwordnyc.org forward slash first draft. From 5 to 5:30 5 p.m., Arizona Masters of Poetry will be hosting a Speak Poet via Instagram Live at Arizona Masters of Poetry. Again, that's at Arizona Masters of Poetry. On Wednesday, August 5th, from 8.30 p.m. Beirut time, Sidewalk Beirut will be hosting its online open mic. And you can find out more information about that on Instagram at Sidewalk underscore Beirut. Again, that's at Sidewalk underscore Beirut. Signing up for the open mic starts at 8.15 p.m. From 8 to 10 p.m. Nigeria time, Solaja Sogo Samuel will be hosting his open mic via Instagram live at ishola underscore the underscore poet. Again, that's ishola underscore the underscore poet. Ishola is spelled I-S-H-O-L-A. From 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, Nuijinan TV will be hosting its Nuijinan Scott Talent Showcase, which will feature Indigenous youths between 13 and 25 years old. This will take place on Instagram Live, and you can find out more information and RSVP at Nui TV. That's N-W-E-J-I-N-A-N-T-V. From 8 p.m. Eastern Time, a poet named Superman will be hosting his release therapy open mic via Instagram Live at A Poet Named Superman. Again, that's A Poet named Superman. From 6.30 p.m. Arizona time, Changing Hands Bookstore will be hosting a book launch event featuring Eduardo Corral in conversation with Ocean Wong. You can find out more information and register at changinghands.com forward slash event. Again, that's changinghands.com forward slash event. On Thursday, August 6th, from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, The Tiny Cupboard will be hosting its Virtual Poetry Night. And you can find out more information and register at thetinycuppercom forward slash events. Again, that's thetinycuppercom forward slash events. From 6 p.m. New Mexico Time, Kundiman will be hosting a Navajo Nation COVID-19 fundraiser with Hei Sun Kuang and Craig Santos-Perez. You can find out more information and register at kundiman.org forward slash full hyphen calendar. Again, that's kundiman.org forward slash full hyphen calendar. Kundiman is spelled K-U-N-D-I-M-A-N. Again, that's K-U-N-D-I-M-A-N. From 7 to 8.30 p.m. Pacific time, Phonetic Spit will be hosting its weekly open mic via Instagram live at Phonetic Spit that's P H O N E T I C S P I T again that's P H O N E T I C S P I T on Friday August 7th from 7:30 p.m. Eastern time Marquis 10000 Burton will be hosting his live poetry freestyling via Instagram live at 10,000 poetry. Again, that's 10,000 poetry with 10,000 spelled out. On Saturday, August eighth, from 8 to 10 PM Nigeria time, Solaja Sogo Samuel will be hosting another open mic via Instagram Live at Ishola underscore the underscore poet. Again, that's at Ishola underscore the underscore poet. Ishola is spelled I-S-H-O-L-A. From 6 to 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, New Women's Space will be hosting its open mic night. And you can find out more information and register at newwomenspace.com forward slash events. Again, that's newwomenspace.com forward slash events. From 5 to 5.30 p.m. Pacific Time, Arizona Masters of Poetry will be hosting its Speak Poets Saturday via Instagram Live at Arizona Masters of Poetry. Again, that's at Arizona Masters of Poetry. On Sunday, August 9th from 2 p.m. Eastern Time, Pure Ink Poetry will be hosting its Video Slam. You can find out more information at pureinkpoetry.com. Again, that's pureinkpoetry.com. From 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, Writing from the Deep Voice will be hosting its virtual reading of original written works with Lauren Voxbaum, Laurel Carpenter, Evie Edmond, Elian Lieberman, Roberta Lieberman, Liz Lalumia, Carolina Martinez, and Allison Pena. You can RSVP for that event by emailing leslie at wbconsultancy.com. Again, that's Leslie at WBConsultancy.com. Leslie is spelled L-E-S-L-I-E. And now let us welcome our Poet Guest of the Week, K.L. Crystal Lyons. Hi, Crystal. Thank you very much for coming on to Poets and Muses.
1: Hi. Thank you for
0: having me. Of course. So you brought with you your poem, The Land and I Are Calling You Home, and I Don't Care Whose Voice is Louder. Before we get into that poem, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, uh, my name is K.L. Lyons. My first name is Crystal. Um, I'm a poet from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I am a, a citizen of the Muskogee
0: Creek Nation. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the Muskogee Creek? Right. Did I say that right? Yes. Uh huh. Yes. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your nation?
1: Sure. The Muskogee Creeks were one of the, as, as they're called, the five civilized tribes, were uh, who went on the Trail of Tears and came to Indian Territory, which is now known as Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Tulsa, Oklahoma was actually founded by Muscogee Creek people. Mm-hmm. And so it means a lot to me to live in a, a place that is truly Muscogee land and that mm-hmm. our nation has such a, a rich history with.
0: Mm-hmm. Excuse my ignorance, but where were they previous to the Trail of Tears before they settled? in The
1: um, Muscogee Creek people... Okay, so so my direct family lineage was from the Georgia area. Mm. The Creeks that actually founded Tulsa, I believe, were actually from Alabama thereabouts. But so that was kind of the the sort of uh, southeastern part of of the country is where um, we come from originally.
0: Okay. Over the past few days, you hear Tulsa a lot. One because of the yes. massacre. The other because of yes. Yes. Juneteenth. And,
1: and that's been interesting too. That's been it's been extremely interesting to see the Tulsa race massacre going from being something that a lot of people, including a lot of Tulsans, really didn't know about right. to becoming much more common knowledge within just the past year or so. It's it's intriguing for sure. Thank goodness, because it's been too hidden for too long and everybody needs to know about it.
0: Right, right. I, I imagine your nation would have had some knowledge of it since you've been there for so long, right?
1: I, I'm sure that they do, but that's not something that I personally have in, um, a lot of knowledge about. Regarding the Muskogee Creeks who were living in Tulsa during the time of the Tulsa race, I just kind of know what my more immediate Tulsa family knows, which is kind of the same thing that everybody has taught in the um, Tulsa public school system. Uh, I went to Booker T. Washington for high school, which is actually in the area that was that was raised to the ground Mm -hmm. Um, even going there at the time that I was there in the early 2000s we did learn about it Mm -hmm. but it was only on a field trip to the Greenwood Cultural Center it was not part of say my Oklahoma history class Mm -hmm. and I don't understand why but I'm glad uh, that's being rectified now
0: yeah yeah I I feel the same uh, what you just said like um, how it was very little known just a couple of years ago, I would say, as as early, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So so it's pretty amazing that it's more well-known now, and I'm also glad with that because I come from a little bit of journalism background, so I always want to check my sources. I always try to go to reliable sources. With the Internet, you never know what is quote-unquote reliable, but when official sources do not cover parts of American history, it becomes very frustrating in trying to square with what's reliable you know <laughs> and absolutely yeah.
1: absolutely it's, there's a lot to sift through and it can be very frustrating
0: yes yeah. going back to you and poetry when did you uh-huh. start yes. uh, writing poetry
1: from very early on i think i was in i have thought about this before i think it was in second grade oh wow the yeah. first time i wrote a poem
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um and then i remember for you know in school they had you write little books with construction paper, and, like, my book was a poetry book, and like I read Shel Silverstein, and so, like, poetry, for whatever reason, really kind of latched onto me mm. early on, mm. um, and so then, you know, you go through your embarrassing teen years writing poetry, and then you try to <laughs> stop writing poetry because it's embarrassing, and then, like, you're <laughs> not able to, and so, you know, I'm, I'm 36 now, and I've been, mm-hmm. been writing poetry a, a lot. I always seem to come back to it, no matter how hard I try to do something else.
0: Right, right. You you used the right word, you know, a uh, very appropriate word, latch-on to you. <laughs> uh-huh. yes. <laughs> Do you remember what you wrote, like, the first poem, and what was it about?
1: It was about being sad.
0: So that
1: <laughs> It's like a running theme, I think, that also embedded itself very early on. And I, and beyond that, I think I was specifically, so if you're in second grade, you're what, maybe eight, seven-ish? I was just kind of about feeling like no one listened to me -hmm. which I think is something that children feel a lot is overlooked and like that people don't listen to them or take them seriously Mm -hmm. and uh that's what it was not it was not good it was not a good poem and I won't I don't remember anything of it I remember a word that does not exist that I made up that put in there but I remember that that's what it was (laughs) about and so it was I guess kind of a coping mechanism of mine very early on Right,
0: right. Yeah, I I find that a lot of poets that I speak with, or people who write poems that I speak with, tend to use poetry as a therapeutic tool. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Sounds like you start it as a true poet, making up a word and everything. That is truly, you know, very poetic (laughs) of you.
1: (laughs) That's true. They They say that children are sometimes... He's actually, a very good poets because they haven't bought into all of the rules of language yet.
0: Yes, they're yes. more
1: creative than we are.
0: Yes, it's true because as children, we're still testing our boundaries. So, yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, Any, anything is truly possible when you're a kid.
0: Mm-mm. Yeah, do you mind reading the poem that you brought? Sure, and, uh, we can talk about it. Certainly, okay. Thank you. So this is
1: The Land and I Are Calling You Home and I don't care whose voice is louder. Chara don't lose your head. They'll take it from you if they can. It means nothing to them. They don't care. Chera, don't waste your time explaining yourself to them. They are determined to misunderstand, and they will hold everything against you. Chera, forgive me. I've been away, but I thought of you the whole time. It's not enough, but it is what it is. Sarah, come home. The land is calling you here. I hear it every morning when I am drinking my coffee, and I am calling you too.
0: Thank you. This poem was published, if you don't like Talia's... Sure.
1: This is in Ward's lit magazine. I believe it's their issue number five. It's their native-themed magazine. Mm -hmm. Full of all indigenous authors.
0: Right, right. Was it written uh, relatively recently? When was it? It
1: was. It was written, I want to say, maybe in February of this year, February or March. Not that long ago.
0: Wow. Like right before the lockdown.
1: Yeah, right before lockdown. It probably was February, actually, because I think it was one of the last Sundays I had when my kiddo got to go see their grandma and I got to have the afternoons off.
0: Right, right.
1: Which I think fondly. <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. Uh, how are you coping with that?
1: Uh, you know, it's uh, it's all right. I'm very fortunate. I have a husband who's able to work remotely from home. I work not not that much since the pandemic began, but once in a while. And um, kiddo is, is at the age where they like uh, Minecraft a lot. So we look at a, oh, a lot of Minecraft videos, yeah. and, uh, and we watch movies together. And we're trying to make the, uh, the best of it.
0: Right, right i know Tulsa is more city right than i don't know yes city.
1: absolutely yeah Tulsa okay. is a city yeah more yeah. city folk
0: cuz you know whenever uh, at least when i think of oklahoma I just think of open land i think of yes
1: absolutely yeah. yeah oklahoma has a very i have i have found that <laughs> what people like kind of imagine oklahoma to be like and what oklahoma actually is it tends to tends to be quite a bit different <laughs> yeah. and that's fine i don't know what like it's like in a lot of other states.
0: Either. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of one of those things. I think you know, having a Broadway show about you probably doesn't help.
1: Yes. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, everyone thinks it's just, think it's just like the, the musical, and it's not quite. Tulsa, I think, is a lovely place to visit under normal circumstances. Now, I don't know when those circumstances might be. <laughs> They might I, be two or three years away <laughs> um, when there's like a COVID vaccine and, and hopefully things are civilly and politically a little better than they are now. Fingers crossed for all of us. Okay. But um, under normal circumstances, if we ever get anything close to that again, Tulsa's a lovely place. It'll surprise you. Mm, that's
0: good to know. There are lots of parts of the country. I mean, it's such a big country. So um, It really is. Yeah, It, it I, really is. Yeah. I mean, there were how many nations, Native American nations? That I mean, I, over 500. Okay. Right, right. So, so we have to think of it in that context. It's pretty amazing that now we're one nation with a lot of different subcultures. Yeah. Yeah, and it's quite interesting. And it's changing all the time, of course. And many of us don't really get to see all of it. So... We rely on, unfortunately, whatever, well, I don't know if we rely on, we just sort of learn through osmosis, and most of the time not through the, yeah. Yeah, Yeah,
1: just whatever information is available to you, and that's what you, well, and I think, I mean, in a way, pop culture, media, or storytelling in general um, is so important because, you know, the Tulsa Race Massacre, um, which a lot of people were unfamiliar with up until a few years, ago i feel like it started with some kind of like informative you know now then videos that mm-hmm. showed people what happened but what has really caused this sort of explosion of awareness is the Watchmen tv series on hbo really and i think that's yeah, i think that's why so many more people know, know about it than before and that's a good thing i mean that's an interesting example i guess of stories helping us in real time which I, I think if for those of us who are sort of, who write or who read a lot or sort of in that sort of literary world we sort of take that for granted as common knowledge but mm-hmm. um, for me i think it's been kind of cool to see that happen
0: in yeah. real time yeah i haven't watched it yet i hear praises for it but i just don't have time frankly they're just
1: yeah <laughs> I haven't seen. Well, I don't have HBO, um, so I'm going to blame that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I I have not seen it either. I'm super intrigued too, and I also love Regina King, who's in the TV series. But mm. but um, especially with being sort of locked down, and my my child is six years old, so we don't get to walk, watch TV shows that aren't six year old appropriate. Right. Until it's like <laughs> you know that precious forty five minutes between his bedtime and my bedtime. <laughs> <laughs>
0: before you doze off in the middle of watching whatever you want to watch. Right?
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Do you mind telling us what made you decide to write this poem?
1: It is one that just sort of happens. They don't always, but this one kind of did. And so I don't know. I think I was just thinking about in a way, kind of the the despair that I think so many of us are still feeling that has gotten so much worse since February of
0: 2020.
1: Mm. But, um, Thinking about what it is to try to explain to someone how you're feeling and what you're thinking, and thinking that that will make a difference, but Mm -hmm. it does not. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, kind of, sort of thinking about preserving your energy from that. Mm -hmm. And also, this sort of fictional character who the poem is addressed to, Mm -hmm. who is an indigenous woman who is away from the speaker of the poem. Mm -hmm. Um, And just kind of exploring that sense of longing and belonging, like, I don't know, for a lot of Indigenous people, there is an idea that you will kind of go away from the community that you come from, in Mm -hmm. order to obtain knowledge and resources, and then come home, and then bring all that back with you, which is sometimes possible, and is sometimes not, and so I think just kind of thinking about that dilemma as well.
0: Right, well, it's kind of strange, right, because Native people uh, live in a forced duality, in some ways, because you're living nations within nations. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's another layer of being forced to be living in another nation that's actually your nation, and not at the same time. Yeah,
1: it, it is. It's a very strange existence, because I can tell you at the beginning of this podcast that Tulsa is Muscogee land, and I can tell you that a lot of Tulsans don't know that. Hmm. I can also take you to The Tree, that is the tree where the sacred fires that were brought from the um, Muscogee Creeks of the Loja Pocha Band who founded the city of Tulsa. Mm. I can show you where they have their, where they built their sacred fires that they carried from their original town. Mm-hmm. Tulsa comes from the Muscogee language, which the name of the town. Mm. So this is our land. Not everybody knows that. Right. Um, I've lived in Tulsa all my life, so I can't necessarily speak for any community outside of that To a degree, I think that's true all over the country. I think that if you look for it, you will see the native presence, the presence of the indigenous people, in the land that you live in if Mm -hmm. you will look for it, but people are not conditioned to see it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, You just kind of look over it, and you don't even realize that that's what you're doing.
0: Yeah. There is a trend now that I've noticed speakers will do land recognitions.
1: Yes, land recognitions and land acknowledgements yeah. yeah yeah and I think that those were more common in Canada before they became more common in the United States oh, okay. which is interesting
0: I didn't realize yeah I mean I, I, uh-huh. do, I do feel like in some ways they're more advanced at least from like our perspective they seem to be more advanced and I'm more aware of it or trying to address these the wrongs that we also have that we haven't even acknowledged, like residential schools. I didn't even know we had them.
1: Right, (laughs) right, exactly, and that's another example of just kind of like history that so many Americans don't, you you don't know, and I think if you don't know about it, then you can't begin to understand why things are the way that they are, let alone how to fix problems that we might have.
0: Right, right, exactly. It's interesting that you talk about how your first, very first poem, was about this idea of being misunderstood. And in this particular poem, you have that line as well. I'm not sure if it's the same people, though, when you say they, them in this particular poem, or have you changed that? No,
1: I had never um, thought about sort of that connection of like the uh, sort of like childhood feelings of uh, invisibility with sort of like the indigenous feelings of invisibility. But I think that's very interesting. I do think that they're connected. Mm.
0: Was there a conscious decision that you decided to use this character to address your poem?
1: Um, I think I just want more Indigenous women in art. Mm. So I just, I wanted the speaker to be an Indigenous woman, and I wanted the person she was speaking to to be an Indigenous woman. I think I've just sort of reached a point in my life where I need to see more Indigenous people, even if it's just something I'm, I'm writing, which at the time you don't necessarily know if anyone else will see. No. Uh, but I think that that was all that it was about right
0: really. okay yeah 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 I, I'm a big advocate for representation. I think nowadays in our modern times where we are being raised by media mm-hmm. that it's very important to see reflections of the diversity that's actually within the country and that's been always Absolutely. around. Absolutely. And
1: it benefits everyone. It Mm -hmm. benefits children of color, indigenous children, children of any marginalized group to see themselves in media. It helps them immeasurably. It helps children who are not part of marginalized groups Mm -hmm. to see those characters in media as well so that they can learn to relate to them as as human beings, as people who are not as dissimilar from them as they might imagine them to be. Like I think women use this example often. We a lot of us are grown up with enough stories where you have like boy main characters that Mm -hmm. we learn to relate to men as human beings in a way that men don't necessarily learn to relate to women.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I think, I think to a certain degree, the same applies with any marginalized group. I think it helps all of us more representation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But I I don't think people from the dominant culture realize that um, as much because they don't need to, because they're always being represented. (laughs) even though. Right, maybe-
1: right. It's this kind of, yeah, they don't, it, it is a, a filter that they have, they don't realize is there.
0: Yeah, it's like, um, you don't know what you're missing until you actually run into it. basically.
1: Absolutely, yes.
0: <laughs> and is there a particular meaning associated with the name? No, but it is a name that
1: I only happen to have heard other uh, Native women named. Okay. Like I've heard it in the uh, Creek community and the Cherokee community. And so in, in that way, I wanted to make it sort of explicit to at least other people from my other, like, Oklahoma Indians, if you will, um, they would recognize what the name was, even if no one else did.
0: Mm. I send you a poem that your poem kind of reminded me of, which even when I sent it to you, I wasn't sure if this has anything to do with the uh, missing and murdered uh, Indigenous women and girls, this issue. I mean, it could have been just a relative who's moved away. As you said, this, mm-hmm. this uh, immigration, immigration, this dichotomy. But it, it kind of made me think of that as a possibility, I wasn't sure. was unsure. Mm-hmm. Was that something that came to your mind at all when you wrote this?
1: It was not something that came to mind for me with that particular poem. I mm-hmm. have written poems that are, address that a little more directly, at least for me. But I can absolutely see
0: one might draw that connection. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for not leaving me hanging. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I was just like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm just gonna send it to her. Hopefully she's not offended by it. <laughs> so I, I appreciate that. <laughs> that goes back to my original question about this strange dichotomy that indigenous peoples of living here has to deal with. You know because we only think of immigration as people coming from other nations coming into this Uh country whereas uh, a lot of people don't even know that native nations are sovereign nations still yes yes
1: yeah that that is true there there are a lot of people who don't
0: know that yeah there are a lot of people who don't know that yeah and and in a way i I mean you you basically have dual citizenship right Uh, Willingly or I mean, not. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, yeah. And that, and that, that, that
1: duality is, um, I think, a lot more pronounced for some natives than it is for others. Um, being a, a native who lives in Tulsa, who has family who's lived in Tulsa for a long time, I, I'm what some people call an urban Indian, um, city folk. I mm-hmm. am a member of the Muscogee Nation, but I, I, I live in the city in the way that the other city residents do versus someone who lives on like a dedicated reservation. right not that they have in so many areas of the country as well but yeah no there is uh it's a you know you walk into worlds is a very very common phrase in in, in indian country yeah
0: and again it's really interesting because you have this parallel story with what we commonly think of as immigrants coming to this country in order to find better opportunities economic otherwise um, but i guess more economic and especially in this case and then sending money home
1: yes yes yeah. that sort of obligation or, or connection to community right. that sort of sense of, of yeah
0: yeah and it's again it's so strange to be operating it within this country and then within this country's country <laughs> I don't even know how to say it I don't even know how to describe <laughs> it it's so such sh- a I think
1: I think it's very hard to kind of sort of get your head around whenever it's a new idea the longer you sit with it the, the easier it gets but I I think it is mind blowing for people when they're still sort of uh, reckoning with the with the notion because I think the thing is and and it's not like we're a very large part of the population but I do think there's a sort of misconception that the Indians are all Dead or basically dead. Yes, yes. And I think when you you when you realize that we are not, you have to start asking harder questions about why things are the way that they are.
0: Yeah, and and especially why people are treating you as if you're all dead, which is uh-huh. like very disconcerting.
1: Yes, yeah. They're like, "Too bad the Indians died." We're like, "We're still here," and they're like, "Sometimes I can still hear their voices." <laughs>
0: Have you thought about becoming a comedian
1: <laughs> you good i think yeah. poets are funny yes we don't have a reputation for being funny but poets are some of the funniest people in it
0: oh yes yes it's true we do tend to write some very funny things sometimes very bitterly funny but still funny yes Yeah. <laughs> for me i just feel like it's hard to verbalize because it's not something that's talked about enough so we don't have the vocabulary, or at least for somebody who is not living directly in that situation, I don't have to explain it as often as maybe you or somebody else in living in this duality has to.
1: Yes, I think there's a big, big learning curve for people, and I and I do think it's a matter of vocabulary. It's just a matter of inexperience. Mm-hmm. You know, I you know there are um, a lot of, for example, conversations around say, cultural appropriation versus cultural appreciation, mm-hmm. and I think that there has maybe been so much cultural appropriation and so little cultural appreciation with regard to natives that we're, not everyone is always sure which is which and what they look like, so I just think it's, it's a matter of, you know, sometimes you have to just be uncomfortable a little bit so that we can all sort of figure things out. Pushing through discomfort is a wonderful thing, I think, and it can lead to some marvelous places
0: yeah i think so too because if we're not uncomfortable or at least somewhat uncomfortable then we're not really learning we're not really grappling with anything new i think because uh-huh. and we don't want to just always sit with whatever we know because we know so little anyway
1: that's true that's true and then the older you get the more pronounced the gap between what you thought was for sure or true and with what becomes common knowledge later so you, i think we always have to be willing to learn. We ignore that at our own peril for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. What you just said, the point that you made uh, in terms of not knowing what Indigenous people might look like because this unfamiliarity and also this, this notion that all Native Americans are somehow in, in the past and not present, mm-hmm. um, made me think of the other poem that you sent me that, you know, you have to have feathers the one that when you're writing, a I think, indigenous poem or something? That I said,
1: oh, how to write an Indian poem. I couldn't remember what I said for a second. <laughs> how to write an Indian poem.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think the stereotype is, it's a time capsule. That's what we have in our heads. And if, if you're not in the full regalia, and also it has to be the regalia that we have in our heads.
1: 100%. 100%. I have often thought to myself, Self, that like non natives don't necessarily know if they're talking to a native person unless they're in full regalia. I think that's extremely common. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we don't we don't even know I, I don't think for non native people who are not familiar with the native cultures that's in proximity to to them, the subtle differences.
1: Uh, absolutely. Well, and there are so many nations. I mean I, I can't tell you the subtle differences between too many of them. I just love our sort of variety and breadth that we take up across the across this whole bit of land it's very very cool it's very cool i love nothing more than seeing uh, just natives from different nations kind of honoring their heritage and their art and just being around being contemporary people because that's what we are
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. am i just imagining things but i thought there were certain indigenous congresses where different nations still come together both as a supportive network and, and also just as a cultural exchange or something? There
1: is, and I don't know if this is what you're talking about or not, and I'm not necessarily an expert, there's a gathering of nations, which is like a, like a huge pow-wow pow
0: mm-hmm. that
1: happens in the southwest. It's a very big deal. And then, of course, we each, in terms of like governmentally, I'm not sure what different like coalitions might necessarily... Exist or whatnot. Like my grandfather, he's in a position where he travels to that connects all Native American uh, Christian churches in North America, in the U.S. and Canada. Yeah. So there are organizations like that that I know about off the top of my head. But there could easily be so much more. There's so much going on, and I'm just I'm just a dumb pole. With, I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry, I'm just clutching onto you for knowledge here, basically, because uh, I don't. I It's again, there's a lot of different sources out there, and. You, there's a lot. Yeah. yeah.
1: There's a lot to learn. It can be very, very exciting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is very exciting. At the same time, again, it goes back to this reliability thing. You're, you just like, you don't know what's what, because, mm-hmm. I mean, even mm-hmm. if you were to trust U.S. government sources, there's the um, sort of arbitrary, it looks like arbitrary standards as to who can be, uh, which nations can be a recognized band of,
1: Hundred percent, hundred percent. There are nations that are federally recognized. There are nations that are not federally recognized. There are different nations have different requirements for enrollment. So one thing that I think I can tell you for sure is that the system is set up to make it look as though there are not as many of us as we as there are.
0: Mm.
1: We are made to appear to be a disappearing people.
0: Mm. Well, there's also the a rule with the percentage of blood, right?
1: Yes, uh, blood quantum, and different um, and different nations have different requirements for that, where, you know, some have where you have to have X number of percentage in order to enroll with that nation. A lot of nations, like the Creek Nation, if you're enrolled in the Creek Nation, but you also have the Muscogee Creek Nation, that is. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're also a the Senate from other tribes, you cannot enroll with those tribes. Mm-hmm. And so that affects what your blood quantum is listed as. There's a lot of rules that go into it that, again, seem like they're sort of maybe designed to get the numbers down as low as possible.
0: It's frustrating, it must be frustrating, because other people can just be.
1: Yes. Yeah, it's very strange to, I think, have, like, sort of status cards to prove if you are what race you are or not. There are people who claim to be Native when there aren't, (laughs) and um, I think that is particularly harmful when you consider that there are people who have been disconnected from Native families and their Native culture, it makes it even harder for them to try to trace those roots back because there are so many people who have lied about it along the way Mm -hmm. there's a lot more that goes into reconnecting now where i think a lot of people would love to just be able to welcome relatives home without having to ask so many questions Mm -hmm. and go through so much but i think people feel like they're just not able to Mm -hmm. because there are so many People just kind of—I don't know—trying to lay claim to heritage or culture that isn't theirs, and it's—it's a—it's a tough thing to go through.
0: Mm-hmm. It makes you both kind of suspicious, right, and guarded. And- exactly. And- exactly. And also, super- I always thought of it, it
1: re- like I, and I'm not the first uh, indigenous writer or person to talk of it this way, but it's like zombies. It's like zombie apocalypse. There's even a a movie called called Blood Quantum that's a native movie about a zombie apocalypse, which I haven't seen yet. I will, but (laughs) um, I always think of it as like, what if you were raised by by zombies and you're not a zombie, but you're trying to get into the human camp and they won't let you in because you act like a damn zombie. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can't blame them (laughs) for wanting to keep themselves safe. Mm -mm -mm. But, you know, but at the same time, it's, it's a lovely place as well. So (laughs) <laughs> Those are, that, that's one thing that um, some of our Native people get to go through in a contemporary
0: oh, setting. So much fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Going back to your poem. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if you had all these subjects in mind when you wrote it, because you talk about, again, you talk about this idea of having to go to, uh, I guess, onto non-Native land or more prosperous areas of, of the country, too in order to have the opportunities and feeling this disconnection. So I don't, I don't know how what we just talked about, which is a lot of stuff, <laughs> kind of feed into all of that. Yes.
1: I think in almost anything I write, I'm probably every character in the, in the work. So the me that is the speaker still lives in Oklahoma and will never leave. Mm-hmm. Um, this is my homeland. Home this is where my people come from. Mm-hmm. There are things that other places have to offer but I can't leave Oklahoma. That's just how it is. Mm -hmm. The person that the poem is addressed to is maybe me when I was younger, when I did want to leave, Mm -hmm. and other people I know who have left. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people of all kinds of backgrounds, for whatever reason, you go through something where you just have to leave home. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, you just can't come back. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, So in a way, it's kind of, I don't know, maybe me sort of sending love to the natives who have left their communities, who are not able to go home. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: In a way, it's me sending love to them because they are important too mm-hmm. and and they deserve to have whatever kind of life it is that they need to pursue to to prosper.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I really like this poem and just enjoy reading it because it's so atmospheric. I like the coffee, you can sort of see it happening, you know, like having your morning routine and as you're having your morning routine, somebody who's near and dear to your heart is basically coming through at the same time. It's your wake-up yes. thought. There's a gentleness to it.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. And I do like the the morning time with the coffee and that kind of morning routine is sort of the most precious time of my day. It's my, my favorite part of the day. Mm-hmm. And so I don't even think this was written then, but it was written. Sort of thinking about the and, and that sort of, I think the clarity and energy mm-hmm. that that one has or that I have first thing in the
0: morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, the name is so close to the word cherished, as well. Um, yes. Yeah. And it has that feeling definitely. So as I said, I thought that maybe even though I wasn't sure, I was just like, oh yeah send it to her and see what happens <laughs> see if she'll just refuse to let me interview her afterwards <laughs> <laughs> so thank you thank you for not doing that I appreciate it <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna remind, mine and then we can talk yeah. about it absolutely so mine is to the missing but not forgotten mama where do the ladies go they go to the rivers dip their hair. Why, Mama? Why? The water gives them strength. What is strength, Mama? Energy, will, life force. But I have energy, and I have never dipped my hair in that flow. Honey, just yesterday we leaned your fragile head in the bathtub. Remember the ducky caught in your curly tangles? Mama, but that's not the river. And where do you think the faucet finds its content for your nightly swims? I don't know, the pipes? And from where do you think the pipes find their drinks? Can we go to the rivers, Mama? One day, we all will. For now, let me hold you in my embrace a tat longer. The rivers give as the ladies exchange their songs, comedic or tragic, to carry their stories to our tables our tables, the faucet and pipes empty their vessels to fill our mugs and cups. The glass that touches your still innocent lips feeds their biographies into our bodies, longing for contact with a universe seeming out of reach, but always with us, a silent companion, always, always. I like that. Thank
1: you. Based on your question from Earth, Earlier is so. Were you thinking about
0: missing or murdered women when you wrote your poem? Yes, actually, this is a poem that's dedicated to that particular subject. I have, uh-huh. yes, uh huh. I have found out prior to my writing this that Arizona was one of the top states that has one of the most number of uh, these cases. Uh, I just. Uh-huh went through the Urban Indian Health Institute's report, 2018 report, and Arizona has the third largest number in terms of states of, of these cases. Uh, yeah, and unfortunately, Oklahoma is ranked 10th. <laughs> Amazingly enough, they weren't even able to survey all of the U.S. They were only able to do a portion, survey a portion of the U.S. So it's kind of my way with whatever knowledge I have. I mean, you, you see this sort of mixed metaphors of somewhat yes. of the Western mythology, and then somewhat of some of the things that we hear that's flowing into contemporary discussion of what's important to Native Americans, especially in terms of water, because yes. of land use and such. Because yes,
1: absolutely. The, absolutely.
0: Yeah. This is not autobiographical. Right. If I have a kid, I don't think she would have curly tangles. So <laughs> you never know. Genetics is weird, but, but most likely not. So it's it's an entirely imagined scenario of just how a mother would explain something that's so incredibly tragic to her child in the best possible way that she can explain it mm-hmm. without having the actual knowledge.
1: Right, right. Some of the things I like about the poem are sort of just the, it's the relationship of the mother to the child, mm-hmm. it's the relationship of the women to the water,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's also the relationship of the child to womanhood,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and where where that sort of future is possible, and so I think that is a, those are qualities that I really like about the poem that also kind of give it sort of a, kind of a haunting quality if you think about that. Because if the child is a, is a girl, she could be looking at what the future holds for her as well and what mother wants to explain that so early either.
0: Right, right. I mean, that's why, you know, when, when she was saying, can we go to the rivers as an innocent child might? You know,
1: right? When, one day we all will. I love that.
0: Yeah, yeah. There is both a fear and a protectiveness from the mother in that. Yeah. Thank you. I don't know when you when you got it, what you thought about it. I don't know if if it was clear, if it was about that, the missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls.
1: My first reading, I read. Like just thought about the mother and child in the water. Uh, but when I, again, especially just kind of like noticing the title, I was like, ah. <laughs> Which I like poems that are like that. I think that poems should, you should unearth a little bit more each time you read them. I think that's part of the, the appeal, for me anyway.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I feel the same about yours. Like the first time I read it, I was like, huh. I kept wondering if it had that element to it at the same time it didn't feel there's a sadness but not not the sense of a tragic sadness to it yes
1: yeah yeah there is there's a it's someone missing someone but not because they're gone from forever they're just gone from home
0: right right so i just thought oh, okay <laughs> that's why i didn't i do not want to send my i i did write another poem that's more explicit that I wrote on the 5th of May specifically to commemorate the day of, of acknowledgement for that this year. So I wanted to send something that has again a, that certain ambiguity that's similar to yours and, and it also has a certain tenderness to it.
1: Yes, yes. I like that a lot.
0: I'm not sure if it has similar in terms of the not being I mean there is an element of misunderstanding that our both mm-hmm. of our poems share, but like in terms of who's misunderstanding who is a bit different. Because yours definitely has this set of this dichotomy between this character that you're trying to call home and mm-hmm. and the outside world. There is this divide. Whereas in mine the misunderstanding is more inbuilt in terms of How the mother is trying to bridge her maybe lack of understanding of the cultures that she's trying to convey to her daughter. Yes, yeah,
1: maybe maybe they both sort of trying to explain something that they don't themselves necessarily have the words for just yet.
0: Right, right. Sort of like what I was trying to do with this immigration, immigration, immigration. Just like why are (laughs) you? It's it's yeah. You had talked about previously about how you do respect uh, obviously people who do need to leave for whatever their reasons may be. Um, yes. Uh-huh. At the same time, in your second stanza, you're saying there's some definitiveness of it. It's like you you took a you made a conclusion that it would be a waste of their time to try to I guess blend in or something or try to try to fit in there seemed to be a, a slight revolt against that idea. Yeah. I guess I I kind of I wanted to find out how he decided to have this particular, I guess, could you call it a story arc? I guess, I guess so.
1: I think you're right. I think the speaker is sort of acknowledging why has has gone away. Um, and at the same time, sort of imploring them to come home anyway. And I think that's, maybe that's a reflection of how I appeal to people emotionally i'll try to like meet them intellectually and then be like but i still feel like this." like and so i think that maybe um it's just a reflection of of sort of how i tend to operate when i am trying to let someone know how i feel Mm -hmm. while trying to let them know that i understand where they're coming from
0: Mm. do you mind if i ask you what what did you mean by don't lose your head they'll take it from you if they can it means nothing to them they don't care
1: well, um, I kind of was thinking about sort of like bad faith arguments, mm. sort of. And, I mean, and you can see sort of a microcosm of those on Twitter. Where if you ever, you have any like Twitter friends who <laughs> fight with people like, first thing in the morning.
0: Oh, that's me. That's me.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> and um, and some people need to be fought with, but some I definitely have days where I'm like, man, you can't fight everybody. Like you have to leave like some of your energy for yourself. Like mm. All those people are out to do is take from you. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's about recognizing when, whatever that sort of impulse that's within you is, whenever you're losing something instead of gaining.
0: Mm. Yeah. It, it felt very much like, especially in the in the two beginning stanzas, it felt very much like you were talking to your alter ego. Mm hmm. And later on, in the second half of the poem, it's m- much more of a separation. I don't know if you felt the same thing when you were writing that. I could see that. I could see that. It's a really interesting character. I mean, she, she definitely seems real. I mean, if you didn't tell me she wasn't real, I wouldn't have guessed that. That's
1: neat. The character's very important to me in all of my writing. It doesn't come up. In poetry, as often um, as it does in, in like narrative writing, so that is very cool here, actually.
0: Yeah. What else do you write?
1: I've always journaled for the mo- most part my whole life, and I, I am attempting to write short stories. It's still very much an ongoing process, but um, I am trying to uh, I'm actively trying to stretch those muscles
0: mm. more. Mm. Yeah. I mean, this definitely has a short story narrative feel to it. When I read this, I'm sort of like, what's the backstory? What's going on with Shira? Who is Shira? What? <laughs> like, tell me more. <laughs> Are you planning to write a companion short story to this?
1: Oh, no. I had never planned to do that. I mean, maybe I will after our conversation. That's a neat idea. But mm-hmm. it, had not, um, it had not occurred to me previously.
0: Huh? Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious about Shira now. Even though knowing now knowing that she's not real still, I'm just like, but. Tell me her backstory. What's, what's going on with Shira? Yeah, she's she's a fascinating character. Cause you drop all these hints about this character. And you're like, Shira, forgive me. I'm like, why? What did what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> And then, the, of course, the, your, your character is like, I thought of you the whole time. And again, it's like, what were you doing this whole time? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think that's the magic about poetry, right? You can just dip in and out of a certain moment.
1: Oh, I love it. Yeah,
0: yes, yes.
1: Some of my favorite poems are when a writer sort of successfully, I don't know, just captures like a single Moment,
0: mm-hmm. and I don't know,
1: just like dissect it in a way that is just perfectly effective and just keeps you in that tiny little space mm-hmm. for just a moment. I love that. I do like a poem that seems to have a story that doesn't necessarily reveal itself all at once.
0: hmm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This has a series. It's, like, it's like Twin Peaks. <laughs> I can't. David Lynch knew what was going.
1: David Lynch knew what was going on. He did not feel the need to tell the rest of us, but he knew.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I saw Twin Peaks. I mean, I know the references, but I just...
1: I I'm actually getting through it for the first time. I've seen more of his movies, but I had not watched the, oh. the series, so I'm one and a half episodes from the end now.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. How many seasons was it? Only two. Really?
1: Only two, and then there was, like, a movie that's actually a prequel. And then they did The Return just this last year. But yeah, uh, one of those kind of iconic TV series that was actually only
0: two seasons. I didn't realize that. Star Trek. Oh, that's right. Yeah, true. Star Trek was very short. I thought Star Trek was one season. Yeah, I should know this because I've actually seen all of the original Star Trek. But obviously. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I should know this but it's only like pieces of memory now (laughs) yeah I should I should probably write like a series of poems based on my memory of Star Trek it'll probably drive some Trekkie nuts yes you definitely
1: should you should definitely
0: do that oh my god yeah I'm gonna (laughs) I'm gonna have a mob coming after me (laughs) Surely not no. <laughs> so this is this is just its own poem. It doesn't. It's not part of a series. It's not. There's no. Yeah. No. Yeah.
1: yeah it's a, as, as for right now. It's a, a standalone piece.
0: Okay. Yeah. I need more seasons of this. <laughs> <laughs> I need Shara's backstory. I need your backstory. <laughs> this is... Well,
1: that that certainly gives me something to think about when the next time I'm sitting down like i don't
0: know what to write today yeah yeah that's probably what i'll come back to please but. it really is fascinating i do like wonder because you know part of asking questions is about in a way it's sort of like politely asking what other thing <laughs> about <laughs> this what is going on about this i want to know more i mean it. It definitely begs a lot of curiosity because there is so much of it that's like, yeah, because it's very much like the scene that you set up, that you have your morning coffee and this thought kind of just, this persistent thought just comes into your head. Not so much invading it, but um, still it won't leave you be. Yeah. So that's, that's why I'm like, hmm, what about her? What else is going on with her? Well,
1: that's another I I thought that was the kind of the uh, fun premise of this podcast is usually you read a poem and it does leave you with questions and you just get to sit with those (laughs) get to keep those to yourself and uh, go about the rest of your day. So I think I think it's neat to sort of get to dive into at least one poem per person and really get to answer some of those questions that, that that you find yourself with after you read them. It's cool.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate you uh, understanding uh, my need to uh, find out what the heck is going on behind your poem, basically. Because <laughs> <Like, laughs> um, it, it's, it's always so much of yourself that goes into uh, every single poem, right? Because without you being who you are, you wouldn't be able to write this. Yeah, I
1: think poetry is an intensely personal genre or mode of expression. I'm sure all writing is, but I think poetry especially sometimes, not, not that you can't sort of remove yourself or write about things that you're not that familiar with or that aren't are from your perspective, because you definitely can, mm. but um, I do think that for the most part, poetry is is a kind of, comes from a very personal place for a lot of us, a lot of the time. hmm hmm
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, and also, like what we know really serves to like you said, same with other uh, other literary arts, other well, arts in general, but especially literary arts because it's supposed to be, you're supposed to be using your words to communicate to help understand. Yet poetry has this sort of like a court jester role of making obscuring things on purpose.
1: Yes, yes, it does, and it delights in that. I think. Yeah. It absolutely does. There's a. I'm wondering if I can find it easily without causing a delay, but there's a Joy Harjo quote Mm. that I loved about, and I don't think I can find the exact one as fast as I wanted to, but just her saying that it's not the poet's responsibility to make their poem make sense.
0: (laughs) Right, right. To
1: to sort of deconstruct it into sort of like a narrative that makes sense. Like that's not what poetry is, and that's not what we all sort of signed up to do i like it kind of gets to be its own thing that can kind of sort of uh borrow and steal from and dip into other elements of storytelling when it wants to and then get to abandon those when it wants to as well
0: right right it's a real
1: it's a real rogue
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i think it's, it's perfect for people who don't well i'm speaking mostly for myself who don't want to commit the long time to write a whole novel
1: uh, no, almost sounds impossible to me. Honestly, like I don't. I always think there are so many sentences that go into a novel. How can you possibly write that at many sentences? Do you know how hard it is to write a good sentence? Can't do it. Can't relate. No thank you. No. And then I have I have friends who write longer works who are like, well, but they're you know you you can squeeze a lot into a brevity of words, and that's that's its own thing. That's its own strength. Yeah, and I agree, but I won't tip my had to the novel writers all day long because it just seems absolutely impossible to
0: me yeah Yeah. it definitely definitely feels that way and and you know you you have to keep so much of it like constructing a world it's a lot of responsibility oh my god
1: yeah yeah You you have to keep notes about all of your world building and who was who and family trees and I don't think my brain is set up that way. (laughs) Even with help, even with notes and outlines, I just can't, can't even imagine.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose that's why there's so much really bad writing out there.
1: Yeah, but that's okay. We all, all, we all write bad sometimes. sometimes. Sometimes bad writing is the first step on the way to good writing.
0: Yes. Yes. I'm less forgiving though. I'm like, cause I'm, maybe it's because I'm a <laughs> slow reader. I'm just like, you just made me invest this much time in your damn book and it sucked. <laughs> I, just,
1: now, I used to be, I used to be team. If I started a book, I would finish it no matter what. And I'm not that way at all anymore. <laughs> um, I will give up on a book fairly quickly. If I, if I lose faith, that it's going to pick up for me. Uh, there's just too many books. There's just too many things to read. You can't waste time with the stuff that that isn't working. Got to move on.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's more like a relationship. Like uh,
1: yes, see exactly that sort of. Uh, what is it? Sunk cost fallacy. Yes. Like I've already spent so much time on it but now I have to. You don't. Know, you can stop right there.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. You definitely should just like take your losses and be like, that's it you don't yeah you don't it's okay it's,
1: it's an okay thing to do absolutely yeah. you feel
0: better for it most likely <laughs> yeah I, th- I think for me i would just always wonder i'm like well if i just did this what would have happened <laughs> oh man that's why i need to have like eternal life <laughs> <laughs> i need all the time well, in the there world go. to make all the mistakes i want <laughs> <laughs> Well, in any case, (laughs) I appreciate the time you spent with me chatting on random stuff and and telling me more about Tulsa, which really I knew very little about, apart from some songs that I can't even remember uh, in (laughs) entirety. (laughs) entirety.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you. And so if you don't mind telling us before I let you go, if you're doing any virtual readings anywhere or how we might be able to follow you on on social media or if you have a website that you want to share with us.
1: I I have a Twitter that I am uh, probably too active on. So you can that's the easiest place to find me right now. Um, I am at uh, Dystopia Loon. So it's D-Y-S-T-O-P-I-A-L-L-O. Oh, and kind of like dystopia and balloon mm-hmm. shut together and that's the easiest way to find me i had some poems out in fourth lit mag um at the end of april this year
0: mm-hmm. and i'll
1: have some more work coming out in uh, anomaly lit mag
0: later this year okay wonderful wonderful thank you again really for, for your time really appreciate it
1: absolutely thank you for having me it's been fun cool.
0: As always, you can find us at poetsandmuses.com as well as on Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter either at poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of the Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. Now, in addition to the Poets and Muses website and SoundCloud page, you can also listen to the Poets and Muses podcast on Apple Podcasts Tune in or Stitcher. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a safe and healthy week, and I look forward to bringing you another episode next Sunday.